I want to invite you, if you would, uh, if you're inclined, to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look for just a few minutes at verses 18 through 20. But I want to read beginning in verse 10 that begins this whole section in which Paul is addressing matters of the spiritual battle that every believer is in. And it's a a way he ends this glorious letter of making reference uh, very strongly to this battle and of all of God's provision that we might stand strong in the midst of what God has ordained in this fight. And so I want to read verses 10 through 20. Again, we're going to look uh, for just a few moments, particularly at verses 18 to 20 related to the matter of prayer. But let's hear God's word here, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." And this is God's word. Let me just uh, seek his help again in prayer as we look to his word. We do thank you, O God, for all that you have given in your word for us to know you and to trust you and to stand firm in the fullness of all of the provision that you've given in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our paths and pray that you would uh, spur on in us the things that you intend uh, with what you're feeding us here from Ephesians 6 tonight. We pray this for your glory in Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, I feel uh, fairly confident that in looking at this passage and reflecting just a little bit on these matters of prayer, uh, in many ways, I'm probably not going to say anything that is new to most, if not all of you. These are things probably in one way or another uh, you've probably heard. If not, then praise the Lord. May you receive them well for his purposes. But my guess is that most of us have heard about these matters of prayer and the importance of prayer. And I've entitled this just simply an all-out call to all-out prayer because that's really what Paul is doing with what he says in verses 18 to 20. 
And my own observation, I think often in our culture and even in our Christian lives, encouragements to pray can often seem like nothing more than religious, sentimental, and often even empty platitudes. And you know what a platitude is. One definition of a platitude is that it's a flat, dull, or trite remark, especially one uttered as if it were fresh or profound. And a lot of times when we speak of prayer, maybe when we encourage others to pray or others might say things to us, uh, these encouragements to pray can often seem like platitudes. You know, well, yes, you're in my thoughts and prayers, and we say that, but it maybe doesn't carry a lot of weight, and it can often seem flat and dull and trite. It can be sort of like cotton candy in that way. Maybe there's a lot of fluff and a little sudden surge of sweetness, but in the end, there's no real substance and no real value. Value. But in God's design and purposes, all out prayer is of great transforming value. And we need to be careful to never disregard the value and the power of prayer. Uh, one pastor commenting on this call at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 uh, says, quote, that Ephesians begins by lifting us up to the heavenlies and then by pulling us down to our knees. And it's interesting that Paul ends the main body of his letter on this note of calling us to pray. Now, in this whole section of verses 10 to 20, where, again, he's dealing with these matters of spiritual warfare and all that God has given to us in his blessings, in his provisions in Christ, really the central call is to stand firm. Uh, you see him speak of that in verse 11, and he echoes it again in verses 13 and 14, and, and that's the call, to stand firm amid the battles that we're in. And of course, he speaks of all of the different aspects of provision that God has given us with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the boots of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he ends on this note of an all-out call to all-out prayer. And I think we could summarize the essence of this call with this word, and, it, and it's this, that God uses all-out prayer to pour out his all-sufficient provision. God uses all-out prayer to pour out his all-out provision. Another way of saying that is to say that prayer is the means that God has designed by which any of us who are believers put on his armor. It's the atmosphere, it's the disposition in which we embrace and put on all of the blessings and truth that he has given us. It's the means by which these things become more empowered in our lives. And we know God's power and provision more as we are given to all-out prayer. It's the means by which we learn to walk effectively with him. And somebody has said that the Christian life is not just hard, it is humanly impossible. And so this call to all-out prayer is always timely and important. 
And what I want to do is just look briefly at a few features of this all-out prayer because Paul is very emphatic in all that he has to say here in verses 18 to 20. So we'll just look at these uh, in, a, in a short fashion as we move through these, but a number of features of this all-out prayer, why it is that all-out prayer um, is what God uses to pour out his all-sufficient provision. First of all, uh, we really see the why of prayer. This is the first feature, the why of prayer. And this has to do really with the whole context of, of all that Paul has written in this letter of Ephesians. He's making it clear, both by way of exhortation and his own example, that prayer is essential. That prayer is indispensable. The more we understand the greatness of the blessings that God has given in Jesus Christ, which is what Paul speaks of in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then the more we understand the, the, the scope of the responsibilities that God has called his people to within those blessings, which is really what he addresses in chapters 4, 5, and 6, these details of what it means to walk worthy, the more we understand our own weaknesses, the more we understand the spiritual enemies that we have, as Paul identifies them directly here in chapter 6, the more we see and understand all of that, blessings, responsibilities, enemies, the more we should be driven to pray for God's help. And so the why of prayer is because it is essential, because it is indispensable in light of our blessings, in light of our responsibilities, in light of our enemies. And again, Paul both exhorts this, but he also exemplifies this, and I'll make reference to this probably a time or two more as well. Uh, but at the end of chapter 1, and then again at the end of chapter 3, Paul tells the Ephesians how he is praying for them. And so he's modeling for them, as he is for us, how it is he's praying and how uh, God wants us to be praying even for one another and for ourselves. So the why of prayer is the first feature to see here. It's because it's essential. It's because it's indispensable in light of our blessings, in light of our responsibilities, in light of our enemies and our own weaknesses. And so we're to put on the whole armor of God and to be praying. Well, this leads to the second feature of prayer, and that is the when of prayer. The when of prayer. He says, praying at all times. And the point here is to understand all means all. And so prayer is constant. It is to be constant. Praying at all times. It's interesting, it's a present participle that he's using here. And, and the significance of that means that uh, this isn't just an action to be done here and there. It's to continually be done and in a manner that expresses the, the ongoing disposition of our heart and of our life. In other words, in seeking to put on the armor of God and to stand firm and to be faithful and trusting of all that God has given to us in Christ, it's to be bathed in this matter of prayer. In other words, prayer isn't just one thing we do uh, within the Christian life. It's a disposition that is to saturate our entire life. Uh, that's why Paul would say elsewhere, such as in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray continually, pray continually. Now obviously in the scope of things the Lord's called us to, um, we can't just be on our knees with our eyes closed praying constantly. 
Uh, we have work that we're called to do. If we're driving, I hope you're not closing your eyes and praying while you're driving or uh, uh, hundreds of others kind of examples. But the point of Paul pray, saying that we're to pray continually is that it's a disposition that saturates and bathes everything that we do. In other words, it's a disposition of constant dependency upon God. A disposition, it's our default mode of, of depending on him in everything we're doing. <clears throat> I have these imaginations uh, sometimes when I fly, when I travel and I fly. I don't know if this ever happens to anybody else, but I think about, you know, what if something happens to the pilots? And what if, you know, there's some weird thing that happens on the plane and for some reason I'm the only guy that could go in and, and get in the cockpit and possibly fly this plane? It's just strange things, like I said. But I, I think this way, and I think, well, if that were to happen, I have no clue how to fly a plane. I've flown in lots of planes, both big and small, and, and so I, I kind of know what happens, but I have no clue how to fly a plane. My number one thing would be what? I would put on the headset. I would make sure that I was in contact with somebody on the ground who was able to guide me and do what I've needed to do. And we've heard stories about in the news that kind of thing, right? Somebody's in a little single engine plane and the pilot passes out and somebody else has to steer him down and they do that by, by being in constant contact with somebody who knows what to do. And I think that's the sense of, of prayer. It's constant dependence upon the Lord. It's constant communication with the Lord, the one who knows what to do. And he speaks to us through his word and we speak to him through prayer. And there's this, this communion, this ongoing communication that is to exist in our lives. So it's not just a, a one thing we do. It's a constant disposition of dependence on the Lord, uh, praying at all times. That's the win of prayer. And of course, that's a deepening, growing thing that should be uh, occurring in our lives who are believers. Well, that leads to a third feature of prayer, and that is the how of prayer. You notice there in verse 18, he says, in all circum... I'm sorry. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit. That's the how of prayer, in the Spirit. True prayer must be in the Holy Spirit. This is why prayer matters. Well, what does that mean to be praying in the Spirit? Paul says a lot about the Holy Spirit in other places in Ephesians. And of course, uh, we know throughout Scripture there is so much regarding the Spirit. I think what it means clearly to pray in the Spirit means to pray in harmony with and in submission to and dependence upon the work of the Holy Spirit. And that means that we're praying according to God's word that the Holy Spirit has given. We're praying according to the power and the provision of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in our life. We're being careful not to grieve the Spirit, as Paul speaks of near the end of Ephesians chapter 3, by having any unconfessed sin or unreconciled relationship so far as it depends on us. Uh, we're seeking to be faithful to his word, so we're praying in harmony with, submission to, and dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's the how of prayer, to pray in the Spirit. Well, that leads to a fourth feature that we see, and that is the what of prayer. The what of prayer. He says uh, to pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
with all prayer and supplication. And, and that has to do with requests that we bring to the Lord. And it also, that sense of supplication has to do with pleading to the Lord. And I think the point here for us to understand when, when Paul, and again, he's repetitive with the, ter- with the terms all, right? Very uh, comprehensive with all prayer and petition. Uh, the point he's making is that true prayer involves great variety. It involves great variety. A great variety of forms, a great variety of requests. Sometimes our prayers are expressing praise and thanksgiving. Other times our prayers are expressing confession of sin. Other times our prayers are praying for needs, burdens, desires, issues in our own lives. Sometimes we're praying for others. It it encompasses a broad spectrum. There's great variety. And even as Jason read from Psalm 57 at the beginning of our service where uh, David is crying out to the Lord in the midst of an overwhelming circumstance, that is one of 150 psalms that God has given to teach us how to pray and to pray at all times with great variety. And so the what of prayer is with all prayer and supplication. To not limit it and to not feel bound and scripted in that way, but to be pouring out our souls to the Lord. And again, sometimes it's in the heights of ecstatic joy and praise and thanksgiving. At other times, it's in the depths of agony and burden and grief for issues concerning ourselves or others. But that's the what of prayer with all prayer and supplication. And then we also see the fifth feature I would highlight, not only the why, the when, the how, and the what, but the fifth feature, the watchful waiting of prayer. The watchful waiting of prayer. Paul says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Don't quit praying. Have you ever had that feeling that you've been praying about something and maybe you've been praying about it for a long time and nothing seems to happen, no change seems to take place, and maybe even something contrary to what you've been praying for takes place, and the feeling that we can have is what? This doesn't work. Paul says, no, keep praying. Keep praying in the Spirit. Keep praying in accordance with God's Word. Keep praying in dependence, pouring out our souls, trusting that God will do what He has promised to do. But keep alert and keep persevering because we're in this battle. We're in this fight. God's given us these blessings. We have these responsibilities that He's called us to in the overflow of these blessings. And we have enemies, spiritual enemies, that are constantly opposed to us. Don't quit praying. Don't be discouraged. And that's one dominant theme we see often exemplified and exhorted in the book of Psalms. Persevere. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. I was talking with a dear brother uh, a few days ago who had been going through just some very hard things, very hard circumstances. He was very discouraged. He had kind of hit rock bottom, and he was, he was sharing just by way of testimony uh, that he had gone to seek the Lord. And he was drawn to Psalm 40, where David begins that psalm by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my plea, and he drew me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And this brother was just testifying that the Lord met him. The Lord helped him, the Lord comforted him, the Lord strengthened him through his word. And he didn't quit praying. And so uh, that's what Paul's exerting. Keep alert with all perseverance, don't quit. 
It's what God calls us to. And then one last feature I would highlight is just the who of prayer. The who of prayer. And that's where Paul says at the end of verse 18 and carrying on to verse 19 and 20, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so he's speaking about the necessity and the urgency of praying for others. And ultimately what he's burdened for is the advancement of of the gospel. He's burdened for the advancement of the gospel. As we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for all the saints, we're praying for the advancement of the gospel in their lives. And then as Paul is asking for prayer for himself, he's praying for, he's asking for prayer to be faithful, to be bold in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. So what's he praying for? The advancement of the gospel. He's saying, please help, pray for me to be helped, to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel that it might advance to more and more people, even as you pray for all the saints that the gospel, what he's implying, that the gospel would be advancing in their lives. And again, with what Paul prays for the Ephesians at the end of chapter 1, at the end of chapter 3, when he's outlined and, and just stumbled over himself in trying to communicate the greatness and the scope and the wonder and the riches of the blessings that God's given in Christ, what he's ultimately praying for is that God's people would have grace and power and strength from God to live in the fullness of those blessings. And so that's how we ultimately pray for one another. Yes, we ought to be concerned about specific circumstantial realities and things going on. And as we often do, and no doubt will even tonight, share different needs, burdens, cares, and requests. Yes, we should be praying for those. But ultimately in the context of how God might be using those things in furthering his purposes in us and through us. And so the who of prayer is for all the saints and for the advancement of the gospel among unbelievers. And again, there's a a limitless amount of ways in which we can be praying in that way. So beloved, uh, all out prayer is what God uses as the means to pour out his all sufficient provision. It's what he intends, and it's his design. It is constantly of value. It is constantly significant. It's not simply a platitude. And of course, uh, lots of people talk about prayer, believers and unbelievers alike. But true prayer uh, within the blessings that God's given in Christ is what God uses to uh, pour out his all-sufficient provision, his grace, his power, his comfort, his wisdom, his strength, his help, his courage, his, his help, everything that we need, he provides, and he's given us prayer as a means to access that. I was struck a few days ago reading in 2 Chronicles 1 where Solomon is becoming the king over Israel following his father David and and God appears to him and says, ask me whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish. And you probably know the story. Solomon asks for wisdom to be able to lead in the way that would benefit God's people and would bring honor to God. And God says, because you've asked for this, not only do I give you wisdom, but I've given you a whole lot of other things as well. And it just struck me, very familiar with that story, but with every encouragement to pray in the New Testament, every command that Jesus gave that we found in the Gospels, every teaching, everything we see in the epistles, everything is God essentially saying, ask me what you want. And it needs to be informed by his word, of course, 
But as that continually grows, he's promised to give us what we ask. And so that's why Paul says, as he does at the end of Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so that is Paul's, that's God's all-out call to all-out prayer because he uses all-out prayer to pour out his all-sufficient provision. So let me lead us in prayer and then we'll have an extended time to pray together as well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the greatness of the blessings you've given in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this mystery of prayer. Uh, We don't know how it all works, and yet we rejoice that you have designed this as the means for us to continually be uh, dependent upon you. And having a deepening disposition of such dependency that is continually looking to you, trusting your provision, seeking to follow what you've revealed in your word uh, to the end that you would be glorified. And we thank you that you answer in ways uh, that are beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. And so we pray that you would help us to be strengthened in faith, to stand firm within the spiritual battle that you have placed us in uh, to the end that you'd be glorified. And bless and use our time even now uh, to seek you together in prayer as we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.